Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy? We looked at this uh, feeding of the 4,000, which were Gentiles, which was really around 16,000 people when you study this out. But uh, we looked at this, this feeding of the Gentiles, and we saw how even though Jesus was feeding these Gentiles, his Jewish disciples had a problem believing, had a problem with faith concerning Gentiles. But Jesus was pointing to something beautiful in that the church is a beautiful assembly. He came to the house of Israel first, but he came also to the Gentiles, to Jew and Gentile. And the church itself is a beautiful combination of Jew and Gentile. We know the early church was prom- uh, primarily Jewish and then became more Gentile. And now it's primarily Gentile, but more and more Jewish people are coming to the faith. And so it's this beautiful circle we see happening. I think it's prophetic. I won't go into that today. But, um, you know, he warned his disciples last week. We saw as he, he used the Pharisee as an example that we aren't to have the leaven of the Pharisees. We're not to be like the Pharisees or like Herod. These that have the leaven, because leaven puffs up. Leaven makes you think you're better than you really are. Uh, Leaven makes you think you're better than others. And this is the other real important thing for the Christian faith is that you're not better than anyone else. Not even the lost. We're just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. We're sinners saved by grace. We're not better. And that's something to always keep in mind. And today we're going to see a little bit more of Jesus teaching his disciples. In fact, in Mark chapter 8, we're going to see a transition of sorts. In verse 27, we'll see where Jesus then begins to teach his disciples more uh, poignantly and more of a laser focus to teach his disciples to prepare for his departure, his physical departure. He's getting them ready. But with that, today we're going to see an amazing passage of Scripture I think there's a lot of scripture I'm going to cover today, but there's some key points I want to hit. And so with that, Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 22, I'll read through verse 26 and then we'll dive in. Then he came to Bethsaida. Now I want to say something about Bethsaida, easy for me to say, before I get going. Bethsaida was just north of the Sea of Galilee on this little delta part of the Jordan River. It's in a fertile area. It's, It's a little bit elevated above the Sea of Galilee. It's a real beautiful setting. Then he came to Bethsaida. And they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town, out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made uh, him look up. And he was restored and saw everybody clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. And let's pray. Father God, this is your word. Help your word to do what we know it does. Change us from the inside out. We know it divides. We know that it is living and active. And we know that it changes us, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit. And so we invite that today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 
And so today we start with another healing, and this healing is only found in the Gospel of Mark. But it's a really amazing uh, story when you start looking at this, because the healing doesn't happen all at once, it happens in two stages. But the one thing I want to point out before we get into that is this. Did you notice that, just like, remember Mark chapter 2, when the friends of the paralyzed man brought, him to Je- brought that paralyzed man to Jesus, and the crowds were so vast that they couldn't really get into the house. So what did they do? They went up on the rooftop, dug a hole in the roof, and lo- lowered their friend down in front of Jesus so he could be healed. And that's the kind of friends we should be and the kind of friends we need. And that's really, in essence, what the church is all about. But here we're going to see the same thing. We're going to see that there's a group of people must be his friends, his relatives, people who care about him, that bring this blind man because he can't find Jesus himself. They bring him to Jesus. Look at this in verse 22. Then he came to uh, Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. They begged him. First of all, they begged him. That's good friends. Good friends that bring people to Jesus and say, please, heal my friend, heal him. But notice it just says they. It doesn't, now I'm sure this isn't their preferred pronouns, by the way, okay? Let's not get confused because today it's all about preferred pronouns. And just on a side note, you've heard me say this before, but you know, a lot of people with those, those preferred pronouns of they, them, you know, I, I, I joke about it, but it shouldn't because I think it's demonic. I think it's demonically related. You know, we, we studied about the man who was demon possessed with thousands of demons. They called themselves legion. And now you have a whole group of people walking around calling themselves they and them. When you think about that, and you think of the days we're, we're now living in, it's tragic. It's sad. But these they, these friends of this blind man, they bring him and they beg Jesus, please heal him. And you know, this is such a beautiful picture of the gospel and of us. You know, we are to bring people to Jesus, to introduce them to Jesus so that he can also heal them, so he can take those that are blind and make them see. This is such a beautiful, profound picture. But they introduce, they bring Jesus, they bring this man to Jesus and they beg Jesus, please heal him. And I love this too because Jesus, if you notice, he takes this blind man out of town, most likely because he doesn't want the circus involved. You know, he's been pressed in everywhere he goes because he heals people and in the flesh these people want more and more. It's, it's insatiable, right? They want more and that seems to be what we see even in, in Christian circles these days, you know, with healing ministries and all this and it's just a circus. And it's a very selfish thing. And we're going to see in today's lesson, lesson, Christianity is not about self. It's not about selfishness. So Jesus takes him. Look at verse 23. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes (laughs) and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And I just love this picture, though, too, because it's just like our Lord. He takes us, takes you and I by the hand and leads us. You know, and here he takes this blind man. What a beautiful picture. This man who cannot see, and he takes him by the hand, and he leads him. He says, let's go. But then he spits on his eyes. (laughs) And remember, I talked about this. I think part of the reason is Jesus never healed anybody, it seems like, in the Scripture, the same way, really. You know, we saw him spit in the mud and rubbing on people's eyes, and now he's spitting directly in their eyes and rubbing. And I'm just thinking, you know, he just loves to keep us guessing. But you know how it is. We are so religious that if it was, you know, would that, could you imagine? Okay, how about this one? You know, I joked before that we'd have a spitting pit in every church if he healed everybody by spitting and making mud. But just think if he was spitting in everybody's eyes to heal them. I, I'd run out of spit, right? We, and who'd want that, you know? And they'd never allow that in the days of pandemics, you know? So, 
It's just crazy. But I love this because look at this. Verse 24, and this blind man, he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. So apparently, this man, Jesus spits in his eyes. He touches him, but the guy still doesn't see clearly. And it might just be something practical. I'll come back to that. But here's the thing. We see that he sees shapes and he sees light. But understand, this isn't because Jesus has a lack of power that this man isn't completely healed. Something else is going on here. And we may not understand or know what's really going on here. But I would just say this. There's a purpose for everything Jesus does. He's the creator of the universe. If he wanted to heal this man immediately, he's the one who spoke all things into existence. I think he can make a blind man see instantly. But there's something beautiful here when we look at it. And again, it might be practical, but there might be spiritual meaning behind it. We don't know. We can't be certain. And I'm going to tell you that right off the... These are just my opinions. I don't know for sure. Okay, this is through the filter of Marty. But it's just, I think, neat to think about. You know, um, first of all, it could just be a practical thing. I, I like what Adam Clark in his commentary says. He says this. It's likely that this was done merely to separate the eyelids. As in certain cases of blindness, they are found gummed together. It requires uh, a miracle to restore the sight. And this was done in consequence of Christ having laid hands upon the blind man. It required no miracle to separate the eyelids. And therefore, natural means only were employed. This was done by rubbing them with spittle. Could just be practical. But you know, I'm always skeptical of that. Because our Lord does so many things that, you know, at first appear just practical. And then you start to study it out. And it can really speak to us. But, you know, I think about the eye itself. I, as I studied this, I was looking at the eyeball. I was studying the eyeball. And you might think, man, you got too much time on your hands. Well, I told you I'd been sick. So, yeah, I had too much time on my hands. But, but also, um, I, I thought it was fascinating because, you know, this man apparently hadn't used his eyes in years. Apparently, he had sight before because he was able to recognize men like trees, which means he had some reference of sight. So, perhaps he became blind, which most likely seems so. And so we see this. But, you know, one of the things about this is when you study it out, those who are not born blind, those who maybe lose their, their eyesight in youth, they still dream, they still see in their dreams. And I think that's fascinating. But, you know, I, I love the story of Fanny Crosby, and I've used it before. I, I love her story. If you don't know who Fanny Crosby is, she was a blind woman who became blind as a, as a baby, and she went on, though, to, to write over 8,000 hymns. And, and so much, she wrote so many hymns. I mean, some of them you might recognize. Blessed, blessed Assurance, Jesus is Tenderly Calling You Home, to, the glory, uh, to God Be the Glory, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, Close to Thee, Redeemed, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. Those are just some of the hymns that this wonderful blind woman, she lived in the 1800s, early 1900s. She wrote some amazing hymns. But, you know, she was writing so many that they wouldn't put them in their hymnals because they already had too many hymns by Fanny Crosby. So she started writing under 200 pseudonyms, 200 other names. There are so many hymns out there, some we don't even know if it was Fanny Crosby or not. But this blind woman wrote that. And they asked her one time, and I love her story. They asked her, they said, if you could have one prayer answered, one wish, what would it be? And, and people certainly thought she would say that she would have her sight. And she said, you know, the only thing I would ever want that I would ever pray for is that I would have been born blind instead of having my sight as a baby because then the first face I will ever see is that of my king. This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again or any other in their entirety, please visit golgothafellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. 
For more information visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, golgothafellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.